Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Romans 15, verse 1. Serve others first. Christianity is all about serving. And we must get the order right. I don't know if you've discovered this order throughout the scriptures and in the Christian faith, but we serve God first. Then we serve his church second. Then we serve his world third. Then we serve ourselves last, right? So it's really not all about you. The world doesn't revolve about you. It's not about serving yourself, loving yourself, buying yourself more stuff. <laughs> no. The Christian faith is putting yourself last. And that's how you get joy and peace and love and satisfaction. The world is so broken and they don't, they don't understand. Why am I not happy? Because you're putting yourself first. Because you're serving yourself and you'll never have peace and purpose and meaning. Jesus must be first. Also, I disagree with the seeker churches. In their churches, they put the seekers first. Put the seekers first, right? Because the lost come first. No, the lost do not come first. God comes first. If God is not first, I don't even care about the world. I don't even care about reaching the lost. But if Jesus is first and I love him, now I have the motivation and the drive to love his family, the church, and to love the lost. But unless I love God, unless he's first, why should I even care about the world and the lost and even my own enemies? Jesus changes everything. I see this in the life and the ministry of Christ. He came as the suffering servant, right? He came as a minister, and he started serving. And if you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, you'll see he served others, and he met their needs first with his teachings, with his miracles, with his healings, with his deliverances, with his signs and wonders, and finally with his cross. He put others first before himself. And Jesus becomes our motivation. He's why we serve. He's our example of how to serve. He's our model of how to serve others as we learn about service in this chapter. We learn to serve others. We learn to like other people. And we learn to accept them. This is the Christian faith. Serve the body of Christ. Romans chapter 15, verse 1. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Right? It's not survival of the fittest for the Christian. It's not dog eat dog. It's not because I'm bigger and stronger than you, so I take it away from you and I serve myself. That's immaturity. That's not the Christian way. When you're strong, God has blessed you, so now you can help the weak. 
The strong Christian helps the weak Christian along. We don't judge them. We don't kick them when they're down. We don't discourage them. We welcome them. Brother, I'm so glad you're back. Not like, yeah, I know you really messed up and you fell back into the world, right? We're here to strengthen you, encourage you, help you now to lift you up so you become strong. And it's not about pleasing yourself. Have you discovered that? It's about the audience of one. We please God first. Then we please others. And we put ourselves last. Verse 2, each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. Are you pleasing other people? Are you building them up? Are you seeking to serve them and put a smile on their face? I thought of the famous Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Do you remember it? It was a children's television series. I loved it. And now there's a new remake. And uh, was it Tom, uh, Tom Hanks, the new Mr. Rogers? And Mr. Rogers was a Christian Presbyterian minister, Fred Rogers. And he sought to serve children and to minister to them and to reach them won't you be my neighbor right and i remember some of the songs one of them is i like you as you are exactly and precisely i think you turned out nicely i like you as you are are you like Mr. Rogers? Do you like people or you really hate them and you're like, Jesus, I just don't want to serve anybody? Do you always judge and condemn and you put them down and they're no good and I don't want to be their friend? That's not the Christian way, especially in the church. Be like Mr. Rogers. Do you minister to children? Do you minister to the handicapped? Do you minister to people that are different than you? They're your neighbor. Do you see this? Jesus teaches us to help our neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. So love yourself less and love your neighbor more. Right? The world says it's all about me, me, me. I need to love me more. That's the best way to become depressed and lonely. <laughs> love others more. Love God first. Get the order right. Verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you, meaning God, fell on me, meaning Jesus. Quoting the Old Testament scripture of Psalm 69.9, I believe Jesus is the go-between. He took the hostility of humanity toward God on himself. When people attacked Jesus on the cross, they spit at him, they, they hated him, they punched him, they whipped him. This is their feelings toward God. We hate God, and so we take it out on his son. Also, I believe this is God's hostility and punishment and wrath for humanity 
Jesus is the go-between. Jesus is getting it from both ends. God's wrath on me for my sin, Jesus took my wrath. Also, the wrath of mankind fell on Christ. He's the go-between. He gets it both ways to save us, to bridge us, to bring God and man together. He's the only way, our only bridge. And I'm so glad he came because no one else was willing to pay the price, nor could pay it with perfect holy blood. The Son pleases the Father, right? Jesus didn't come to please himself. The night before the cross, didn't he pray, not my will, but yours be done. Father, I'll go to the cross because he realized there was no other way, no other one. Unless he died, we would all be lost. Verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So the Old Testament, the scriptures are to instruct us, to teach us, show us how to live, right? Have you seen the Bible acrostic, B-I-B-L-E? Basic instructions before leaving earth. It's our job, it's our commission before he comes. Be working for him, be serving him until he comes. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Do you know the Bible has a benefit for you? It will give you perseverance. Don't give up. Don't quit that marriage. Don't give up on those kids and grandkids. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on God and his church. Persevere. If you persevere, you will win. The Bible's here to encourage you. The scriptures are to give you hope. When I'm down and depressed and discouraged, I need to open a Bible and to pray and to hear God's voice. Then I have strength again. I'm renewed. I have encouragement. I've been exhorted. And now I have hope yet again through the Holy Scriptures. Verse 5. Now... May the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Change your thinking. Have the mind of Christ. Join the Christians in the way that they think. You should not be fighting other Christians. You should be united with the family of God and think like Christ and think like the church. We should be of the same mind, united under Christ, lifting Jesus higher. We have a common purpose, a common Savior. And sometimes as Christians, we need to agree to disagree, right? Let's not fight over, you know, sickness and disease. Let's not fight over politics. Let's not fight over trivial things because the most important thing is Christ and his eternal kingdom. And sometimes we're with family, friends, meeting new Christians, and instead of becoming divided, we should be united. And I know it's such a trap, right? We start talking about the news and the politics and what's going on, and then we get all riled up, right? It all comes back. 
And we need to share the good news and focus on the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We unite under the cross. We unite under the banner of Yahweh, right? The Lord is my banner. One accord, one voice, we work together. And what is our common purpose? To give God the glory, to glorify him, to put him first. I was thinking of the movie, you've got to see it, Facing the Giants about the little Christian high school, and their football team would play much bigger schools, bigger teams, and their Christian coach said to all the Christian young boys, the football players, he said, you know what, we're going to do football different because we're Christians. And he, he said to his team, we're going to give God the glory if we win, and we're going to give God the glory if we lose. And no matter what, God gets the glory. And the player's like, we're going to glorify God when we lose? Coach, that's not good. No, because God gets the glory. It is good. And they started putting God first in their football, and guess what started happening? They won, and they won, and they won all the way to the final championship. And God got the glory no matter what, facing the giants, you've got to see the awesome, true story. So our number one goal as Christians is to bring glory to God. Was it the Puritans that wrote, the chief end of man, man's chief end, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To God be the glory. This is why we exist. Do you know why you're a Christian? Do you know why God saved you? So that you will give him glory. So he will get the credit. So when he saves you, when he heals you, when he does that miracle, when he answers that prayer request, you better give him the glory. You better tell your story. I have a lot of stories I share. My, my miracles, my dreams, my healings. God saved my life more than once. And I always share my stories. And I said, and Jesus did it. And I give him the glory. I don't want to touch his glory. I don't want to steal the credit from God. And if you don't give him the glory, maybe you won't get another healing. Maybe you won't get another miracle if you take away his credit. So remember when you tell your story, give God the glory. I got saved. I had cancer. He healed me. God brought me this beautiful mate. God gave us this home. God relocated us. God healed me. You know, God delivered me. You better give him the glory. That's what he wants. That's why he helped you. So he will get the glory. Serve both Jews and Gentiles accordingly. The Jews do come first. The Gentiles do come second. Verse 7, Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us 
to the glory of God. God wants you to accept other people. Well, I don't agree with them. Look at the way they look and they dress and they're evil and they're the devil. God wants you to accept them. No, I'm going to fight them. I'm going to battle them. I'm going to change them. Maybe it's your own family member. I'm going to change them. You know what God wants you to do? Accept them. Oh, but they're evil and they're wicked and their life's down. They're horrible sinners. God wants you to love the sinner. And I understand you hate their sin, right? But Jesus loved sinners. He went to the most wicked sinners and he accepted them. He met with them. He ate with them. He talked to them. <laughs> and he got them saved. How can you reach people if you just hate them? If you don't even accept them, will you ever talk to them and witness to them? How can you bring them to the Lord if you don't accept them? I understand the wickedness of the world. I don't want to compromise with the world. I, I don't want to accept people's sin. But I can still love the sinner like God does. Do you remember, you were the most wretched sinner, and God loved you, and he accepted you, and he came to you. And now God asks you to accept others as he accepted you. I counsel people sometimes, and they're like, Pastor, my family member, my best friend, my partner, they're all messed up, and I just, you know, I just want them to change. You can't change them. Give up. Stop trying to change them. You're so discouraged and upset because you're trying to change them. Let it go. Let go of the control issue. You don't run the world. You're not God. You can't change people. But there is one person you can change. Yourself. <laughs> change yourself and give the other people and the family members and your beloved ones to the Lord and let him change them. You see that? Now you don't have to hate them. You don't have to battle them. The war is over every time you see them, family events, the parties. You don't have to go to war anymore because you're going to just accept them. And now you're going to love them. And now you can have a heart of love that gives a sweet, kind witness instead of that fighting, arguing witness that drives them away because God has changed your heart to be accepting to accept others. Verse 8, For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision. This is meaning the Jews. Christ came to serve the Jews on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers, to the Jewish fathers, to the patriarchs. Do you know them? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is where the Jewish lineage begins with Father Abraham. And of course, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and he had 12 sons, the 12 tribes. This is the beginning. And God made promises to the Jews and the Jewish patriarchs. And through Jesus God's promises will be fulfilled to the Jews. God is after the Jews. And I believe in the end times, probably the great tribulation, the Jews will convert by the millions and accept Jesus as Messiah. He's not given up. His promises to the Jews will come true. Verse 9. 
and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written. And now we have many scriptures. So here's God's plan. I come first to the Jews, second to the Gentiles. Jesus was Jewish. The 12 apostles were Jewish. The Bible was Jewish. The New Testament is Jewish. The first church in Jerusalem was Jewish. Everybody was Jewish. Okay? It's all Jewish. The church is Jewish, you know. My Jewish friends say, but I can't become a Christian. I'm Jewish. Man, everybody was Jewish in Jesus' church. But now he's gone to the Gentiles. And the gospel has come all the way to America, even to Sin City, Reno, Nevada. And God lives here, right? And I'm so glad he's come. And now we reach out to the Gentiles, all people, all races, all nationalities, even your neighbor, even on the wrong side of the track, even that enemy that you hate so much, God's going to save them. And maybe through you. <laughs> God now, he had a starting place, the Jews. But his ending place is the whole world, every person. For God so loved the world. Every human the cross is for everyone. And now Paul is going to quote all these Old Testament books, these prophets, these Jewish prophets, and tell us how it was God's plan all the way back in the Old Testament to reach the Gentiles. And here we go. Here's the, the quotes in verse 9. Therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Verse 10, again he says, so that was Samuel. Now we have Deuteronomy, Moses, right? Again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, the Gentiles, the Jews, together. And now we're going to do Psalms, King David, right? Verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. God wants the Gentiles to praise him too. Come on, join the church. And now we have Isaiah, verse 12. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David. It is through the line of King David, the royal line, the tribe of Judah, that Jesus will come and fulfill all God's promises to the world. So there shall come the root of Jesse. This is Jesus, the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. And he who uh, arises to rule over the Gentiles. So the subjects of the king are the Gentiles. In him shall all the Gentiles hope. Jesus is our hope. Do you need hope? Are you hopeless? Are you helpless? Are you depressed? Are you ready just to end it all? You need Jesus, man. That's what you need. And Jesus can fix your life and do miracles and resurrect you and get you out of your despair and your heartbreak and your hurt and your pain and your abuse and your horror story. Jesus can bring it to an end and save you and give you a brand new life and give you his Hope. Jesus is our hope.
verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There's many gods, but only one capital G God. All the other gods are fake and phony idols and little g gods. But our God is the God of hope the God of second chances, the God of healing and miracles and signs and wonders and changing you and giving you a brand new life and a new start and an eternal home. You know, for the Christian, my end is not the grave. I'm not going to feed the worms, you know. He gives me hope he's going to resurrect me from the dead and I'm going to get my glorified body and I'm going to experience heaven. I'm going to cheat the grave. I have eternal hope. The God of hope, the God of joy, the God of peace. And how do you get that? Through belief in his son, believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit has gifts? Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.